0: And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm going to adjust this mic a little here. Located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queens University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. I hear every Friday afternoon from forty six to o'clock. to stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Coming up on the show today in the first hour... Uh, From the September 3rd reading in the End the Journey Continues monthly open mic series, you'll hear the remaining unaired readings this afternoon by Kate Allen, Gwen Whitford, Sasha Hill, Corey Toke, Ann Graham, Bob McKenzie, Sarah Emtish, Alyssa Cooper, Lyle Miriam, Eric Folsom, and me. Following that, uh, we're going to move into the September 21st, 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event held at the Spire. Uh, you'll hear readings by Beth Marie Mihalska and Gwen Whitford. Picking up some static here. Let's see if I can get rid of that. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know. I'll figure it out. In the second hour from, again, the September 21st, 100,000 Poets for Change event uh, in Karen Kingston, you'll hear... The remainder of the first set of afternoon readings uh, with uh, readings by Jerry Dreet, Bob McKenzie, Meg uh, Freer, and Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Haru. uh... This first, though, the usual hourly announcement occasionally, some poetry spoken word or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the peace. So up first in this hour, uh we'll move back into I began this, I think I aired most of it last week, uh, but back into the September third reading in the monthly and the journey continues open mic reading in that series. Uh now done in the round and uh, I'm only saying that because you're gonna hear one poet, one poem. That's how it rolled that evening and uh, we actually went through three rounds that night. Uh, so Uh, One Poet, One Poem, so I kind of grouped them up, and uh, this, uh, I think we are finishing up uh, today, the last readings in the second round, and then moving into the third round, and uh, in it, uh, you're going to hear readings by Kate Allen, me, and Gwen Whitford, in that order, and uh, Gwen, I think, was actually the first reader in the third round, so... Uh, but in a group of three uh, that's how it's going to roll and i did mention that occasionally some uh, poetry contains strong language this happens to be one of those times but again all done with content unedited to again honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece so here are kate allen me and gwen whitford Devon G.A., let's bring him up. Well, that isn't right, and let's see what's going on here. I kind of loaded this up in a hurry, and I guess I can talk about the weather. It's a beautiful day out there, that's for sure. Uh, Seeing where I'm at here... This should be it. Let's see what happens with this one. I'm gonna have to use my cheat sheet here. This mic is very very sensitive today for some reason it's picking up everything so let's see where we're at. Well, that would explain it. I'm on completely the wrong group of POET uh, readings here. So, let's do this one instead. Sorry for the delay here. Okay, it's not letting me load that. The trials and tribulations that I have with uh, technology apparently getting all kinds of things in here. Yeah, it doesn't. It's hard to believe that it's Thanksgiving already. So let's see if I can slide it in and move it up. Maybe they'll let me do that. They are the wrong type. Well, we could have a problem here. Okay, I'm going to find some music to throw on. I have no idea what this is, but it's sitting here, and it's called Joan Coleman. It's pop rock, and it's called Crawl, but at least uh, if I throw this on, it'll buy me a bit of time. So here you go. I can tell you you're going to hear a song called, I believe, Change Your Mind. And so here we go. now so I'll tell you what let's try this uh, again I luckily had it saved on another USB and it looks like it's going to go ahead and take it this time so again uh, and again just the announcement that uh, some poetry does contain strong language and this happens to be one of those sets where you're gonna hear it so here we go and you're going to hear again in this order Kate Allen me and Gwen Whitford, and this was from uh, the September, what was it, 3rd reading in the Monthly and the Journey Continues open mic reading series. Here we go. Up next, Sasha Hill. Let's bring her up. Wow, I am just like striking out all over the place here. I do not understand what I'm doing wrong.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, let's try this. I apologize for this. It's usually not a problem. Oh, I see what I did wrong. Never mind. uh, I am the problem, (laughs) which is usually the case. So what can I say? Let's go ahead, and uh, I am pretty sure, let's put it that way, that this is going to be right. I'm not going to announce it an eighth time here, so you should have who's coming by now. Here we go. Up next, we have Kate Allen. Let's bring her up.
2: The sexual assault center in Kingston here and um, one of my jobs is organizing our annual Take Back the Night march so that's coming up. Um, there's a poster here if you need more information and um, our Facebook event is Take Back the Night 2019 and there's more details on there but we're gonna have um, a bunch of speakers and uh, poster making and activist art pieces and then we're gonna march through the downtown and then we have a really awesome musician coming to play a free concert for everybody in the park. Um, so it's gonna be a super good night, and you should all come out to that and show your support. Um, and also that this consequently is also my last night doing the poetry here. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for hanging out with me for a really long time. Um, Take Back the Night. I'm just going to share a piece that lots of you have probably heard, but I wrote it a few years back, um, and it means a lot to me, Um, and it's called Fuck You. So, yeah. Um, Please explain to me why I'm supposed to be flattered when you reduce my existence to sex on a platter. Women are not a consumable hobby. You don't get to have my body just because you want me. Like, women are some sort of commodity that are ripe for the taking and free for the raping. Like, we're just sitting around waiting for validation from your compliments that are actually pretty fucking degrading. No need to peer inside the looking glass to see myself through the male gaze. I know exactly what you're looking at. Stare through my humanity to my boobs and my ass. Reduce me to an object because, God forbid, women have more to offer than that. And speaking of glass, we're still fighting for that damn ceiling to crack. Like one day our struggle will be worth the pain. Like one day our daughters might actually feel safe. We wear your abuse like tattoos on our skin. Internalize your words like your harassment is deserved. We don't need to be seen and not heard. Our worth is not determined by sizes or curves. We don't need to speak less or smile more, and we can fuck whoever we want. Just because it's not you, doesn't make us a bitch or a whore. And stop telling young girls their bodies are a distraction. Stop teaching young women to be responsible for men's actions. Boys will be boys does not justify or excuse, perpetuating a culture of rape and abuse. You ask what we were wearing as if our clothes invite assault, but clothing is not consent, that doesn't make it our fault because covered or exposed, the results are the same. Drunk or sober, somehow we're always to blame. I'm tired of living in a world where being an athlete or getting good grades somehow gives you a free pass to rape, and as if it's not enough for you to ruin our lives. But then the legal system fails us, justice denied, we take rapists at their word and assume all women lie. Equal in theory, but not in real life, because somehow your future is more worthy than mine. So you get jail on weekends, still play sports on the side, while we struggle with depression and suicide, still terrified to walk alone at night. We constantly live in a state of fight or flight. It's exhausting. Planning the route home with the most light. See, we don't need to be your sister, your mother, your wife to be worthy of respect, of equal human rights because the reality is the statistics don't lie one in three women will be sexually assaulted in their life. That's a third of our female population. A third that is suffering at the hands of your objectification. Take a break from your sexualization and see my value does not depend on your evaluation of me and if that number doesn't scare you, consider the fact that 80% of women with disabilities will be attacked and these are not isolated events. They happen again and again and the truth is 99% of accused rapists are men so grab a pen, write this down, it's important. No means no, you cannot ignore it. Go fuck yourself with your sexist rhetoric because we are still not asking for it. Thank you, and come up to take back the next Katie Allen, let's
3: give another
4: hand.
0: another day, billowy clouds loosening, flattening, thinning, throwing out slender fingers of themselves, reaching, seeming haphazard, but still prescribed, directed, attached. Against the deeper blue sky, they stretch their patterns. I watch, reading their global messages like tea leaves in a cup. We're going to give it a shot. Let's just go into round three right away. So up first, Gwen Whitford. Let's bring her up.
5: for a second though, Uh, this is not about death, I want to focus on um, love and life, and I'd like to dedicate this poem to the people of the Bahamas who've just gone through a very traumatic event, as you all know, Category 5 hurricane, as did my dear Dominica two years ago. This poem is about Dominica, but it's for Bahamas tonight. Nature Island Night Show. The harsh metallic glare of the steamy afternoon suddenly fades as the sun drops into the sea. In its place, cool blues, fiery oranges, and bold reds are followed by silvery silhouettes and passing shadows. This shimmering curtain in the shade of dusk quickly falls at 15 degrees north, and is upstaged by Peeps, croaks and cracks, from tiny creatures whose time has come, as they are part of the night show, with its breathtaking backdrop of celestial orbs, sparkling stars, and a captivating moon that invites spectators to abandon cares and cherish every moment while savoring the splendor of a nature island night. Thank you.
0: Gwen Whitford, let's give her another hand. And you just heard, after much consternation, I guess, I don't know if that's the right word, but it seems to work on my part, <laughs> uh, that uh, readings by Kate Allen, uh, me, and then Gwen Whitford. And uh, that was held at the September third, and it was actually the in the second half of the September third. And the journey continues, reading in that monthly open mic reading series held at the Elm Cafe. And up next, you're going to hear Sasha Hill, Corey Toke, and Graham, Bob McKenzie, Sarah M Tish, and Alyssa Cooper. Up next, Sasha Hill. Let's bring her up. <laughs>
6: butterfly, flapping, raising dust around the bedskirt, laughter raking the leaves outside, a knock protrudes from the hallway. Sasha, please take out the garbage. How preposterous. How silly it is. A butterfly does not have garbage. Thank you. Sasha <laughs> Hill, let's give another hand.
0: Okay, let's bring
7: him
3: up. So, I swear the plan was not to read a bunch of poems about death tonight. That just kind (laughs) of happened. Uh, So we're back on Mars with this one. The first battle. Human life flowed. Crimson rivers leaving no stains on Martian soil. The green's message spoken clearly. Their planet only over our dead bodies. Thank you. That
0: was story Corey Tokay. Let's give him another hand. And let's bring up Anne Graham.
6: about expectations and if I mention PIP PIP is from Great Expectations by Charles Dickens okay? so expect happiness we are full of future expectations spawned by engrams of past experience negative or positive they color our perspective and alter our judgment this soup of presumptions, teachings, beliefs is the birthplace of hopeful conjecture, our dire predictions, and darkest nightmares. This witch's brew should be carefully strained. The main ingredient should be hope. Great expectations broad-pip happiness. Expect peace, joy, and love in abundance. A wise man once said, Faith can move mountains.
0: Let's give it another hand as we bring up Bob McKenzie.
8: This one is called Lazarus. In the lobby of an obscure hotel hidden dusk at the heart of the city, eyes meet and two hearts connect, beating down the forbidden gates while an elevator beats warnings. In a rented room of an old hotel, undressed forms wrap each other one-on-one until two hearts touch, open the gates to fleeting pleasure, beat the way to some little death. A rented room in an obscure hotel, hid in dusk at the heart of the city, Rumbled sheets and hidden secrets. Elevator beeping in a hotel lobby, where the heart of the city throbs.
0: Let's give him another hand as we bring up Sarah Entige.
9: recently for, or this year for a library technician uh, conference, which i Anyway, this is called Niagara Nyad. Sleeps in ice and wakes in spring. The Niagara Nyad is a queen, like Galadriel, if she had been persuaded to accept the ring. Her thunder is what draws us here with dreadful joy and splendid fear to loiter on the soggy pier. All shall love her and despair.
0: Give her another hand as we bring up Alyssa Cooper.
9: This one is less about death, and I wrote it on the bus over here, so that's fun. I am the kind of daughter that makes mothers afraid. The kind of daughter who is both lamb and wolf, carrying flesh between my teeth, sliding a stockinged knee between strangers' thighs and begging to be devoured. The kind of daughter who is both fire and forest. The kind of daughter who will never fit in the skin her mother gave her, who refuses to be bandaged, bones built of apology, flesh heaving with regret, restlessness embodied. Where did you come from, mother whispers. Counting the stars in daughter's eyes, where did you get this sadness? As if she does not know that it is a part of me, braided into me like a crown of thorns, replicating every day in every cell. I got it from you, daughter whispers. The moon in her mouth, silver silence dripping down her throat, that furnace of longing, that overgrown desperation, the kind of daughter that makes mothers afraid. I got it from you, she says. I
0: got it from your mother, from our grandmothers, from all of them. Mm. Was Alyssa Cooper, uh, let's give her- and that was Alyssa Cooper, and you just heard readings by Sasha Hill, Corey Toke, and Graham, Bob McKenzie, Sarah Emtish, and Alyssa Cooper in the second half of the September third and the journey continues reading in that monthly open mic reading series and again held at the Elm Cafe and again done in the round, And that's why you hear one poem by one poet, uh in in a sort of mini group uh from that evening. So and uh coming up next, the final readings uh from it in the third round that night and obviously in the second half. So uh you're going to hear again, uh, you're going to hear Lyle Miriam, Eric Folsom, and again uh, my uh, another reading by me. Here we go. Another hand as we bring up Lyle Miriam.
3: This is called Summer Day. Sitting on a bench in the park, watching the fountains splash and spray, I know that I have work to do, but it can wait a minute or two on such a glorious summer day. A ferry crosses my line of sight as she makes her stately way. Across the channel to the aisle, she'll be back in a little while on this glorious summer day. It will soon be time to head for home and put my weary tools away. Work was not meant for days like these, and you should do much as you please. It's been a glorious summer day.
4: Love and Time. You got a better one? Conversations with God, is good. (laughs) Love and Time. To be present in your own life, James Baldwin said. Our assembled needs allied with reason and passion. A jazz rhythm of the heart, evidence of breath, nervous system syncopated to another. Always and presently, I wanted you back. Exquisite perfection that never existed. The imperfect person I saw perfectly. Wrapped in the flesh and blood I loved instinctively. Sweet emotional labor, nursing fear and joy. Expansive beauty exposed by our caresses. The heart's torrent of light reduced to tight beam, till the taxi you summoned arrived at the door, flying to different time zones, all now in the past. What now, dear lover? What us? And what
0: Gary Filson, let's give him another hand. Well, I guess my standard just before I read my last poem, uh, usual, we've, had, we've heard some wonderful readings this evening. Let's give yourselves and everybody else another hand. This is how it will happen that first time. You will simply be walking down some sidewalk or path, and suddenly, unexpectedly, this overwhelmingly powerful but still gentle feeling will wash over you, arriving from nowhere that you know. So strong it may even for a moment make you stop, hesitate, look around. To discover what it is from where it came, and if not immediately right there, then soon later you will find a pen in your pocket, and a journal, or a small piece of scrap paper, or even a tissue, and you will write it down. And you will then wear that instant those minutes after for the rest of your life. You will not know what to call this all, but that once blank page will ever call itself time. Thanks. And you just heard readings by Lyle Miriam, Eric Folsom, and me in the second half of the September 3rd and the Journey Continues reading in that monthly open mic reading series held at the Elm Cafe, and as mentioned, now done in the round. And I just mentioned briefly that you're listening to, I was going to insert some... uh, A few things I need to air here, but I'm going to hold up and do them at the end of the hour because of the little glitch at the start there and see what I've got room for at the end of the hour. How's that? Uh, So I will just mention briefly, again, you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Crothers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. Here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca So what we're going to do instead, we're going to move immediately into uh, the start of what will probably consume this show for the next couple of weeks, maybe, plus today. Not sure. I haven't got it all edited yet. Uh, You're going to hear uh, for the remainder of this hour and the full of the second hour, uh, the first half of the afternoon session of the 100,000, September, I should say September 21st, 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event. Uh, And uh, that event featured two dozen poets, four musicians held at the Spire. And uh, this afternoon, uh, between this and next hour, you're going to hear the first half of the afternoon portion. There was an afternoon and an evening portion, so about a quarter of the show, so think we're looking at about another two weeks to finish it up so but we're going to get a good start here today and up first in it uh, of course uh, not of course but uh, it's included you'll hear my intro to the event that afternoon and uh, then you're going to hear the first reading of the afternoon uh, by Beth Marie Michalska. Welcome everybody to our fourth Kingston Uh, tie-in to the 100,000 Poets for Change. Give yourselves a hand for showing up. (laughs) It's a beautiful day out there, that's for sure. So, and it will be in here as well. Uh, Michael Rothenberg and Terry Carrion founded uh, this event in uh, San Francisco in 2011, I believe, or 2012. Uh, It uh, now hosts events in nearly every country of the world, so this is definitely a global event. And uh, this afternoon, uh, again, our fourth consecutive year connecting to it uh, and the mission of using poetry and other artistic forms to create uh, continued awareness of social action. Uh, injustice, inequality, peace, and environmental issues and sustainability. Uh, This year's event will feature, in each session, an afternoon and an evening session, will feature a dozen poets and two musicians in each session. And uh, there is uh, an itinerary. There are a few of them floating around. I had a few extra copies, so I just laid them in the pews. But there is one on the pillar in the back, on the door in the front. And there's even one up on the table up there. So uh, this afternoon, this is a free event. The other thing, the, there's a goodie table. There's a little bit of stuff. Uh, and there's coffee. There will be tea as well uh, by break time. And uh, the donation table this year, uh, the agency that, we, that we're targeting is the Loving Spoonful or Loving Spoonful for the work they do with environment, recycling, food. Uh, They have a whole bunch of projects. They've got brochures up there. They also plant uh, community gardens and uh, education. So please check that out and uh, contribute if you can. And uh, there is an afternoon session that will begin, is, uh, has already begun, and will end sometime around five o'clock. Even on the itinerary, I've written on there, the times are approximate. There are just too many time variables. But there will be uh, a musician, six poets, a break, six more poets, and another musician. And uh, that said, I'm going to start this afternoon. In fact, I can give you the six readers that will be reading in, uh, I believe, this order. Beth Marie Mahouska, Gwen Whitford, Jerry Dree, Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, Freer, and Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Haru. Up first, Beth Marie Meowska's poetry has appeared in journals, Queen's Undergraduate Review, Quarry and Synergy, and several anthologies such as Lake Effect 6, That Not Forgotten, Canada's 150th, A Poetic Anthology, and The Inspired Heart for Teens. A former assistant editor at Quarry Magazine, she launched her chapbook, North Superior Bardo, in 2014. Recitations can be found on CFRC's radio's Finding a Voice and its podcast as well as YouTube. Long ago, she gave her first solo reading at the Kingston Public Library. In her career as a clinical psychologist and assistant adjunct professor at Queen, she continues to advocate for and with people who struggle with mental illness marginalized women, better services for children, and greater accessibility to counseling. Let's welcome Beth Marie Mihalska.
8: I'm
10: good with that. Thank you, Bruce. Um, it's really lovely to be here on such a, a beautiful late summer day. And to know that our efforts on behalf of the waterfowl actually have benefited their numbers uh, at the same time as we learned that those among the trees and on the plains uh, have significantly decreased. When I was a kid, um, I had a lot of good teachers and uh, the good fortune to uh, be in a concert band and we uh, we went off to Expo 67. And in advance of that, um, and since then, one of the people that, whose work I've admired uh, is a, a dead pilot and writer named Antoine de Saint-Exupery, who most of us would be familiar with through Le Petit Prince. And so the, the poem that I'm reading today um, uh, has sections from three of his books, and it's a bit of a, a response call. So, a section from his book, and then uh, my letter to him. Corresponding with Antoine from De Saint exuperys 1939 Wind, Sand, and Stars. The airplane has unveiled for us the true face of the earth. For centuries, highways have been deceiving us. But a cruel light has blazed, and our sight has been sharpened. The plane has taught us to travel as the crow flies. Scarcely have we taken off when we abandon those winding highways that slope down to watering troughs and stables or run away to towns dreaming in the shade of their trees. Freed henceforth from this happy servitude, delivered from the need of fountains, we set our course for distant destinations. And then only do we discover the essential foundation, the fundamental rock and sand and salt, in which here and there and from time to time Life, like a little moss in the crevices of ruins, has risked its precarious existence. We, to whom humble journeyings were once permitted, have now been transformed into physicists, biologists, students of the civilizations that beautify the depths of valleys, and now and again, by some miracle, bloom like gardens where the climate allows. Dear Antoine, your wonder, skill, and clarity in depicting flight over 80 years ago creates awe in we readers. Yet now, the perils of carbon dioxide creation at nearly 10% of total climate change impact of human activity come from aircraft emissions. Young activists take slower transatlantic voyages and carbon neutral yachts, equipped with solar panels and underwater turbines. Also, through electronic highways, via screens, we do not need to leave our place. To travel globally. Planes may be lost to their great climate cost. And then um, from Antoine's wartime writings, uh, 1939 to 1944, this is part of a letter to uh, an unknown general in June of 1943. And I quote. In October 1940, coming back from North Africa, my worn-out car had to be overhauled in a dusty garage, and I discovered the value of a horse-drawn cart, and with it the grass bordering the road, the sheep, the olive trees. Those olive trees were no longer just so many trees along the road whizzing past at 130 kilometers an hour. I now saw them in their natural rhythm, slowly making olives. The sheep no longer merely served to reduce one's speed. They came alive, they ate and gave wool, and the grass once again had meaning since they grazed on it. I felt I was coming back to life in the only place on earth where the dust is scented. I'm being unjust, the same is true in Greece and Provence, and I felt that all my life I'd been an idiot. There is one problem, and only one in the world, to revive in people some sense of spiritual meaning, some spiritual uneasiness of immersing them in something like a Gregorian chant. If I had faith, I know that once this thankless, necessary job is over, I could not bear to do anything but withdraw to the monastery. We can no longer survive on refrigerators, politics, card games, and crossword puzzles. We can no longer live without poetry, colour, love. One need only listen to 15th-century village songs to realize how much ground has been lost. Nothing remains but the robot voice of the propaganda machine, forgive me, two billion human beings hear only the robot, understand only the robot, become robots, there's only one problem, to rediscover that there is a spiritual life. Dear Antoine, we are now 7.7 billion, wars continue, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Ukraine, Yemen, Congo, Mexico, Central African Republic, a new century, yet ongoing dictatorships, armies with neither trumpets nor banners, nor masses for the dead. In many places, humanity is dying of thirst. Robots perform mundane work, surveillance, sets of algorithms conversing with other algorithms, artificial intelligence drones on. Still, we live with sheep, the grass and the trees. Some use screens to connect to a spiritual life. Others warn how the virtual devours us. We still have wars and may need to return flying to the birds. Today, here, with poetry and music, we imagine responsible stewardship and peace. Et ton histoire, cher Antoine, le petit prince, nous nous souvenons, et allons pratiquer pour la paix. Le secret simple de Reynard. On ne voit bien que la cœur. Le sentier est invisible pour les yeux. Thank you.
0: That was Beth Marini, house codes. Give her another hand. and you just heard Beth Marie Michalska in the first half of the afternoon session of the 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event held at the Spire on September 21st. Up next in it, here is Gwen Whitford. Up next this afternoon... Gwyneth Whitford is a freelance writer and blogger who returned to Kingston three years ago after 35 years in other places. During the two decades that she lived in Dominica, the nature island of the Caribbean, she developed an interest in poetry. While there, she also wrote travel guides about her adopted country, volunteered as a high school English teacher, and sang in a vocal quartet that helped raise funds for local charities. Gwen writes on the nature island and posts in various genres on social media about her experiences there. Two of the poems she originally created in Dominica were recently published in the Inspired Heart for Teens Anthology. Let's welcome Gwyneth Whitford.
5: Thank you, Bruce. Good afternoon, any, everyone, not anyone, everyone and everyone. Um, I'm just wondering, before I read two poems that pertain to Dominica, I want to make sure that everyone knows that I'm not speaking about the Dominican Republic. Dominica is a tiny, English-speaking, independent country of about 70,000 people in the Eastern Caribbean, and it's situated between the French overseas departments of Guadeloupe and Martinique. It's very mountainous, with nine volcanoes, as well as an abundance of waterfalls and lakes and rivers, and a UNESCO World Heritage Site in the interior, in the rainforest. And because of its resplendent natural beauty, it's commonly referred to as the nature island. In recent times, Dominica experienced two deadly natural disasters through catastrophic weather events. Tropical Storm Erica in 2015, and Hurricane Maria in 2017. These poems are dedicated to the people who lost their lives during these storms and to the survivors who are still suffering from the trauma today. My first poem was written in the summer of 2015, a few weeks before Tropical Storm Erica impacted the island. Cry for the Nature Isle. A hike through the rainforest whistling birds, stunning orchids, tall, tall trees. The trail is challenging, steep, and somewhat remote. Down a deep ravine, partially concealed by shades of green, a rusting fridge and a pair of bald tires, and a little further along, a recently cleared garden patch in chemical yellow. I sigh for the nature isle. An afternoon by the river, cool, Refreshing, reviving, reveling in its fast, frigid flow. Swimming further upstream to a more accessible spot provokes a shock. Picnickers have left plenty on its banks. Styrofoam plates, plastic cups, chicken bones, and rum bottles too. Midstream, a hummingbird flits around a blue bag caught on a rock. I weep for the nature isle. A brisk stroll along the windswept Atlantic coast. Wild waves crash on shore, pulling in a bloom of sargassum seaweed, carrying a flotsam and jetsam of plastics of all descriptions, countless bottle caps, motor oil containers, a bait bucket from Virginia, to name a few. I sob for the nature isle. A critically endangered turtle needing to lay her eggs, swims ashore to a once-familiar spot on the beach. In the distance, a lone man wanders along the shoreline late at night, and when asked about his presence there, vaguely admits to doing something wrong. The 1,000-pound leatherback never had a chance. Soon the species will be no more. I howl for the nature isle. A boa constrictor freely inhabits the suburban grassy terrain and in the dry season burns to death in a deliberately set fire to clear the land of too much bush. Iguana lizards cooked for lunch are enjoyed by all generations who savor their exquisite taste despite laws and declining numbers. I wail for the nature isle. Climate change, deforestation pollution, thoughtlessness, and carelessness most of all have taken precedence in this country of rare beauty, splendor, and sometime national pride. If we don't come together to preserve this precious place, then I will have no choice but to constantly cry for the nature isle. And then, on September 18, 2017, Hurricane Maria Devastated Dominica. My next poem is entitled A Monster Named Maria. When word spread throughout the land that an unwelcome visit from Maria was planned, Nature Islanders paid her little regard. For only two weeks aback, they had prepared for Irma, who ultimately altered her track. Perhaps Maria would do likewise. She seemed somewhat unpredictable, as she kept changing her trajectory until the last minute. But by then, it was too late. Her shrieking presence intensified by night. The uncontrollable tantrum provoked extreme fright. As a category five, the incessant howling, screeching and screaming sounded like a devil's tirade. An unreal reality terrified inhabitants cowering in their dwellings, wondering about the manner of her wrath, for she was truly enraged, showing no mercy, tossing trees like matchsticks, stripping foliage with tremendous ease, ripping off roofs with wild abandon, pounding down torrents of water, like Noah's flood centuries later, except no creature was spared her frenetic fury. Once stable mountainsides crumbled with the swipe of her hand. Boulders, mud, and uprooted trees tumbled down grossly swollen rivers, smothering the capital, creating an eerie ghost town, covered in sand and stones, thrown ashore by Sulami like surf. All through the night, the people pleaded, prayed, begged for mercy, and an end to Maria's relentless torment help us, they whimpered, huddled on the bathroom floor, hiding in a cupboard, crouched on the kitchen counter, while the river rushed in, hanging on for dear life to a closet door, trembling under a mattress with no roof overhead. If this doesn't end soon, we will surely die, they sobbed to each other in the blinding blackness, while Maria carried on her evil antics outside. Finally, just before daybreak, after eight hours of torture, Maria moved off to wreck the lives of people elsewhere. But there were no sighs of relief, rather piercing cries, as survivors took in the surreal scene a desolate landscape apocalyptic in design, the once stunning verdant landscape ruined beyond recognition, barren, brown, and bleak. Nothing remained where it once had been if it could be found at all. Lives lost and people missing, crushed under heavy objects or swept out to sea, a little girl wrenched from her father's tight grasp, gone forevermore. Eden, as the nature island was once known, was by Maria's hand completely destroyed. Despite the terrible tragedy, God-fearing, resilient residents continue to pick up the pieces and put their lives back together two years after the monster named Maria ravaged the land. While this sad narrative may bring a tear to your eye, let's act with climate consciousness without asking why. Even though the direst difficulties seem far away, it's the only way to ensure life continues long after today. Thank you.
0: Gwyneth Whitford, let's give her another hand. And you just heard Gwyneth, uh, Gwyneth Whitford in the uh, first half of the afternoon session of the 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event held at the Spire on September 21st. I thought I might have a few minutes to share events in this hour, but with uh, Uh, difficulties at the start of the hour and us starting uh, these readings a bit later than I anticipated I would. Uh, I should have sufficient time in the second hour. I've allowed quite a bit of time again this week in the second hour for upcoming events and calls for submissions, so we will just put it off until then. I do hope uh, you can stay tuned for the second hour today uh, and want to say thanks Uh, for tuning in to the first hour already uh in the second hour coming up you're going to hear how many is there uh let's see one two three four four more uh, readings from the uh, 100,000 poets for change event uh one thing i will mention that i always mention at the end of every hour is that uh Every hour of this show is uploaded to my blog space for it each week as soon as I get home, and we'll remain there for four years, and you'll be able to find it there at findingavoiceoncfrcfm.wordpress.com. So here are the announcements uh, that uh, do need to air now, and uh, I'll be right back i'm david suzuki the average lunch or dinner travels 2400
8: kilometers to get to your table eating local means combating global warming the future is on your table
4: eat your way to a healthier planet find out how at davidsuzuki.org
3: friday evenings at 6 p.m here on cfrc listen to saltwater music a show covering all musical genres from the east coast of canada celtic of course but also rock jazz blues folk and a lot more I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland.
8: I'm David Suzuki. Cut your heat and energy use by 10%, and you'll be making a real difference combating global warming. The future is in your hands.
4: Shrink your footprint, grow your wallet, cool the planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org.
11: Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let The Hustle take you to
2: midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on four to the floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM.
0: And it is about two minutes after 5 o'clock. You are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Caruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. Here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up in the second hour from, again, uh, the September 21st, 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event held at the Spire. Uh, You'll hear the remainder of the first half of the afternoon session with readings by Jerry Juret, Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, and Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Haru. And so just briefly, for those of you not aware, uh, the 100,000, well, I guess you just heard it in the intro. Uh, But anyway, this is a global event and uh, it's uh, definitely not a hundred thousand poets yet but it's uh... being held uh... or was being held over the course of the last part of september for the most part in the countries essentially all over the world so it is a wonderful movement and uh... it's uh... wonderful that kingston is a part of that as well so just uh... My usual, I guess, hourly announcement before we begin uh, these readings uh, is that occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So again, we're going to move back into the September 21st 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event. You've already heard two in the first hour. Uh, The event in total did feature two dozen poets, four musicians, again held at the spire, if I didn't just already say that, Uh, and uh, you will hear four in the first, the four remaining poets that read in the first half of the afternoon session, and up next in it, and first this hour, here is Jerry Churit. Up next... Jerry Jarrett's Fiction uh, will appear this month in Penman Review, in Everyday Fiction, in the Ottawa Arts Review, and also in Feminine Collective. It has been featured in the Yale Review Online, the new quarterly, the Gnisch Review, the Dalhousie Review Room, and in an eco-sci-fi anthology, Glass and Gardens, Solar Punk Summers, she mentors her students uh, to write a play each year, was honored to see her own play performed in the Newmarket 10-Minute Play Festival this summer. Her grade four and five students challenged Kingston and Ontario this past year to create a ban on some single-use plastics. The petition was uh, has raised over 1,600 signatures. They hope it has moved uh, City Council forward Governments are achingly slow," she says. Let's welcome up
11: Step on the dress, boys. Put away. In the Glen Burnie grocery store. Lights flash, and then, dark as tar, a can of unfarmed salmon in my hand, a child squeals, a mother hushes, Everybody okay, then? The lights will be back on in a minute. We wait. A child whimpers, I want my lights, and so do we all, but not at the cost of alpine meadows or rolling coastal land, unceded land, coastal Salish, sacral pemp as stewards, I want my car, but not at the cost of bitumen sinking to its knees in creeks and riverbeds. Benzene makes toxic winds. We're walking dizzy, two years of stink. Maybe we'll get two weeks in a hotel. I want energy, but not at the cost of oil spilling in our oceans. No sandpipers ballet, no loons to dive. The seals will choke on tarred shrimp. Even the bright green sea lettuce smothered. Boys, put away your pretty bulldozers, your dump trucks, your little steam pipes. Stop digging in the sand. Take a dance step forward into maturity. Look around. Learn to build windmills, tidal turbines, solar panels, electric cars, liquid solar cells. Capture the landfill biogas, or rain, or body heat, to turn a turbine, no poisoning of rivers downstream. See it, shimmering rivers, brown, beautiful earth, a bright green canopy jitterbugging with life. That giant scar will heal. One day our great-grandchildren will picnic there. They will make terrible modern music, maybe foxtrot and boogie. They'll circle in sacred dances, proud of us for rising. That's the first one. Thanks. So, um, this is a microfiction, and it is uh, inspired by the um, maybe the numbers of. Uh, Migrants. So the United Nations is keeping very close tabs on how many um, people have been forcibly forced to leave their homes around the world, and it's over 70 million right now. Uh, Most of them have been forced to leave because of wars, uh, climate change, or natural crises, and uh, more than half have had to leave their countries. Uh, This is uh, dedicated with honor to the courage of families right now who are leaving. I see mirages in the waves, girls in American jeans, pink tops, safe and relaxed. They're lounging on swings. They smile. The waves lap against the rubber boat constantly. They echo whimpers and hushed conversations. Mama, shh, it'll be all right. I'm scared. A child cries and is hugged. Trust in Allah. Clutching my pack and crushed between strangers and my family, I tremble. Don't look at the faces, they all look scared. I look out at the waves. Sometimes the white foam looks like snow, and I'm sinking and screaming for my family to pull me out. I shiver in intense cold. Sometimes they're just waves. Pirates had boarded some refugee boats. We heard they beat them with sticks and cut their clothes and stole all the cell phones and their money. They ripped the dinghy and threw the motor overboard. Why the cell phones? No videos. Many people drowned. So many. A few were rescued after two days in the water. The waves make me dizzy. I hug my pack and I worry that the operator knows the way to Greece. There are statues, thousands of years old, Mother told us. She taught history and always wanted to visit. Waiting for this boat, she'd entertained us with descriptions of farmland and white stone villages hugging cliffs, columns of ancient temples rising from cliff tops. I picture it as Aleppo before the war. We went once on a holiday, beautiful, modern apartments, fountains and parks, and ancient arches. Yellow cabs everywhere, slim minarets lit up at night. None of us knows where we'll end up, anywhere from Norway where people ski to school to Germany where the trains are timed to the second. I pray for a southern country, Greece, France, Sweden. At school I'd worn a hijab and long dresses over pants. I'd seen paintings of the Christian Mother Mary and I thought she looked like me. A Muslim, imagine that. Styles haven't changed much in our part of the world, says Mother. There's been no school for three years, since I was 11. I have photos of my best friends, Imad and Maryam, crazy for football. Maryam's our captain, like Firas al-Khatib. And they're in my album here. We're dressing up or dancing or hugging in the pictures. My grandparents and cousins are all in there, too. All the people I've had to leave behind. Aunt Zainab, who made me fruit kebabs, and Uncle Rami, who taught me how to dribble around an opponent. Only Aunt Doa came, who's widowed. She brought her two toddlers and walked with us north into Turkey. We had to hide from the army. Killers, mercenaries. It makes me want to spit. In my backpack is this album and one book of stories, wrapped in a wool sweater and a dress, embroidered by my situ. The rest is jammed with food. A year from now, what language will I speak? Will I change too much? Forget too much? I close my eyes. The boat ride was supposed to be short. It's just a few kilometers to the Greek island from the resort where tourists were sunbathing. My feet are wet, I gasp. It's an explosion. Adults shout. They grab cups and they scoop water out frantically. I join and I get elbowed in the eye. We're not fast enough. Our dinghy is collapsing from water in the center. We're falling inward. We're going to sink. Backpacks overboard, shouts my mother, a smart thinker. I quickly unzip my pack to grab my album, but a large hand yanks it up, up, Up it goes, and dozens more. People are shouting. It's a war, like the missiles and bullets firing at our apartment building in Syria. I pull my little cousin onto my lap and bury my face in her yellow-knitted hat. Eventually, the boat settles. Our feet are in water, but no more is coming in. We'll make it now, whispers my mother, God willing. My books, moans someone. Our food, whispers someone else. A soft wailing goes up over the sea. Shh, do you want pirates? The mouths are hastily covered. Pirates, shh. I stare at the waves. They took the cell phone so no one could call for help. A long time later, we see the shore. Everyone cheers. There are rescuers waiting for us. So why am I crying?
0: and you just heard Jerry Gee in the first half of the afternoon session of the 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event held at the Spire on September 21st up next in it here is Bob McKenzie Up next Bob McKenzie's poetry has appeared in almost 400 journals across North America and in Australia, Italy, Greece and India Publications include Literary Review of Canada, Dalhousie Review, Windsor Review, and Ball State University Forum. His poems poems appear in anthologies in Italy, Greece, and North America, and have been translated into Greek, Persian, Farsi, and Arabic. Bob's eight published volumes of poetry have brought him uh, numerous awards for his writing, as well as the Ontario Arts Council grant for literature. Uh, Canada Council grant for a performance and a fellowship to participate in the summer literary seminars in Tbilisi, uh, Georgia. With the ensemble Poem de Terre, Bob's poetry was spoken and sung live with original music. Uh, the group had released six albums. Let's bring up Bob McKenzie.
8: I'm not gonna go up there. I love the freedom of not having to stand in front of a mic. So, i brought two poems today, both rooted in homelessness and poverty and life on the street. Where are the angels? Can I tell you a story? It's a true story. I was panhandling downtown, sitting on the sidewalk, and this man walked by me. I think he's an ecstasy dealer. This man walked by me, he turned and came back. This man passed me three times. I think he's an ecstasy dealer. Then he walked across the street. He picked up a brick, brought it over and hit me hard. Hit me three times in the back. I think he's an ecstasy dealer. I don't even know him. It's not easy, this street life, sleeping on grass and park benches, roughing it in camps in the woods waiting to be rousted by city cops ready to destroy whatever you own, panhandling for enough to buy food, digging in restaurant dumpsters, stealing food just to survive, shadows along downtown sidewalks. Shadows adrift outside society's comforts, invisible to those who wish not to see. Wisps like ghosts huddled on sidewalks, walked past by the living, afraid to see. Homeless, abandoned, with no place to go, poorly fed and poorly housed, or not at all. Illness and mental health issues untreated, alone and unprotected, against the elements preferred by too many to be dead and gone. It's not easy with no home to go to, shelters often too full or dangerous, moved along by cops and shopkeepers, beaten and harassed by bored bullies. Braving seasons without proper clothes, battered by rain and snow and hot sun, hid in shadows and under eaves or trees, invisible to those who will not see, shadow people living in the cracks. I walk in the shadows among the ghosts, talk with them and call them my friends. The troubled and those who have troubles, strong and courageous against all odds, beaten and abused, but most of all, shunned, invisible and unwanted wherever they stop. A man passed three times, my friend says, beat him with a brick, a too common story. My friend tells me, I don't even know him. Where are the angels when you need them? Where are the helpers and compassionate bringing the homeless back home again, raising up the downtrodden and defeated, feeding the hungry and healing the ill, seeing in the shadows beautiful people, bringing light back to these sidewalk ghosts, light to those who live in the shadows? Yet... If you look, you will see angels. In St. John, a woman lived in poverty with a very small dwelling, a room that she rented, for 20 years on the streets selling artificial flowers that she made herself by hand. She was always there. She was always invisible. No one took notice of her, and when she died. Then, there was a full front page story about her in the city newspaper, proclaiming all the wonderfulness of her life. The flower. The bell tolled low, scarcely heard at first. An itinerant artist saw her once when he came painting five-dollar pieces of pedestrians. He saw her and was intrigued by thoughts that filled her eyes and worlds she held in her skilled hands and strong will. Sitting her back to the wall as a defense against the electric wind sparkling round her and chilling, he saw her and offered free to paint her portrait. The flower lady portrait was painted. There's in a business window where she walked a haunting portrait of the flower lady. She sits back to the wall, face to the wind, short circuits, city gray, gazing into distance. A green European fields or a warm farm home where a young girl once lived. She sits back to the wall, face to the wind, a basket of flowers at her feet. The bell tolled. She was the flower lady. She needed no more identification than that. She rose with alley cats and young babies, re rose with the crisp morning sun and sea breeze, and was sometimes at her place at Market's Head as early as seven in the morning. She took brightly colored materials in the beginning and created flowers she sold all over the city. There was a restaurant where she ate, if you can call it that, a bit of tea and a bit of toast, not much of either. She sat alone caring for her creations, her nearly flowers, pinching and shaping limp petals, straightening green, green leaves. Then she ate her late, usual late evening lunch, tea and toast. That was all, the bell tolled. It was often midnight before she returned to her room with her leftover not white flowers. If the sun hung like a halo, the globe, its ring burning her eyes and dropping burning summertime to her shoulders, she walked. If the sea threw its net of fog over her, no matter, she walked. If winter wrapped cold claws around her and dug icy teeth into her, she walked. One man recalls, one cold and foggy night, she knocked on his door at 11 at night, a good part of her bouquets unsold. She lived cheaply on tea and toast. She hoarded her small cash reserve for materials to create nearly not quite flowers. For 22 years, she occupied the same room, had no guests or visitors to be seen. No relative came to call on the flower lady. the bell tolled. She was herself like a flower, a thin wildflower, bright and alive, like the Mayflower she sold in the spring. Sometimes she wore a fresh, crisp bandana. Sometimes her great basket was gaily decorated like a happy moment in childhood. Sometimes it was plain. The tributes are many. She was always neat and tidy, she would not take charity. Once, when her kindly landlady turned down a three-dollar payment she wanted to make on her rent, she went out and bought her a gift in the same amount. Everything recorded serves to enhance her memory. When her death was announced, few noticed. The bell toll. She needed no more identification than that. Thank you.
0: Just heard Bob McKenzie in the first half of the afternoon session of the 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event held at the Spire on September 21st. Up next in it, here is Meg Freer. Up next, <clears throat> excuse me, Meg Freer grew up in Montana, worked in book publishing, and now teaches piano in Kingston, where she enjoys the outdoors year round and wishes she had more time to write poetry. Her photos, poems, and prose uh, have won awards and have been shortlisted for several contests in both the U.S. and Canada. They've been published in journals such as Ruminate, Vellum, is it Vellum or Vellum? Vellum, that's what I thought. Contemporary Poetry, Young Ravens, Literary Review, Eastern Iowa Review, and the local journal, Free Lit Magazine. Let's bring up Meg Freer.
12: A little awkward. Thanks, Bruce, for organizing this yet again. I'll start with this poem, a poem, which is a tribute to both the Sisters of Providence here in town and all of the work they do for disadvantaged people, as well as a tribute to their historic chapel in Providence Manor, just on the other end of Sydenham Street. It's also for all of those people who advocate for social justice issues anywhere. The damaged seek you out. You would know their faces if you were blind, the broken in spirit, mind or limb, animals who offer their last frozen breath. You hear the rag and bone man's cry, reach across social boundaries to wipe them away, listen to those who need to tell their stories. Golden light shines on St. Vincent de Paul his gentle stained glass face surrounded by a halo of red rosettes as he comforts the barefoot children who come to him. Shadows of leaves blow in a breeze, and red roses still bloom in late October along the fence beside the chapel, a touchwood of hope in these times. A crow waits for you on the path, vanishes like lake born magic, and you see bones and feathers on a branch, flowers in roadside dust. Timing, you say, smoke and mirrors, and the earth drinks saints' tears. This is a poem that was selected as one of five to be part of the Vibrant Spaces Project downtown on Ontario Street by our poet laureate, Jason Haru. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for selecting my poem. This poem of mine is installed on the wall around the fountain in Confederation Basin, and it was my attempt when I wrote it to bring some awareness to the lack of access around the world to clean water, and how we should not take our clean water for granted. Airport with no drinking fountains. The flower garden around the corner grows ever larger, requires ever more water, and the owner worries its vastness maps her level of stress. But Zippy the tulip tree thrives in the park without being watered. Planted to commemorate the demolished neighborhood school, named by the final class of seven children, Zippy shows off its first flowers. Along roads and trails, wild parsnip grows rampant, fills abandoned lots with cool green that disguises the sickening burn. Dog howls of sirens increase day and night, and I try not to worry about whoever needs help at 3 a.m. How can I complain that the airport in Warsaw has no drinking fountains? And that tree, Zippy, by the way, grows in the northeast corner of Churchill Park, if you know where that is. And the other poems downtown are Jason's poem on the phone booth in front of the visitor center. The poem on the there's a poem on the sidewalk opposite the crosswalk that goes over to City Hall. There's one on a utility pole right by White Mountain Ice Cream. And there's one on the railing by the waterfront that goes along the path between Battery Park and the Pump House Steam Museum, so you should go walk downtown and check out all the poems. And this next poem is about that little neighborhood school next to Churchill Park, now demolished. It's dedicated to John Corrigan, who was a longtime teacher at the school and the favorite teacher of all my children. Goodbye, little school. Late October, trees burn gold, demolition begins. Tears mixed with rain as crews crack open ribs, expose the heart, the grade one classroom, now a gaping shell. The little school with a big heart, beautiful St. Joseph, St. Mary, grade one where it all starts, pieces start to fall into place, where a man with a heart big as the schools, taught by example with humor and clever wit, The schoolyard, once a safe place to dream, watch a cat in long grass on the other side of the fence pretend to be a lion stalking prey, now a pile of rubble. In its last year, just seven little pairs of feet ran down the hallway, hearts beating in time with the thoughts of their teacher, the man with the big heart. Last man standing, as he said. The school ended as it began, a one-room schoolhouse, one big family with a collective spirit autumn rain doesn't dampen fate hope that some of that spirit will emerge from the rubble, that future feet will feel it while walking that ground. And some good did come of the demolition of the school. There's now now some affordable housing on the site and there will also be a new park sometime this year connected to Churchill Park. This is called Climate Change. The heat in the school gym, thick as the lure, gave me a headache changed my breathing. It's finally cooler outside, but few ants still stroll down the kitchen walls. The chemistry midterm report reads, no significant weakness at this time. But whole forests are on the move to higher elevations. It's all the sitting that gets to you. I walk past a red life jacket plastered against a broken upstairs window, ready for the owner to grab on the way out as floodwaters rise and flight becomes courage. If we have to, we'll go when God's extravagance opens space and time for us to make one rope climb out of our primordial soup again. Sometimes we spend more time trying not to annoy people than we do trying to please them. And my sister declares, we'll never eat soup again. I'll finish with this poem. It's called Consequences. Snip a bit here, a bit there. Erase a person. Remove an event, alter a date. In fact, delete your whole past so your future doesn't know why or how it is. And while you're at it, rip up the future too, just in case. Mass self-censorship in advance. And for goodness sake, change your underwear in the event you end up in the emergency room, because it's all about appearances anyway, associations, connections that become a juggling contest in the media circus to see who will drop something first. Decades ago in the Moscow Circus, did the dancing bears who balanced on tall poles wonder what you thought, consider future consequences, or did they simply keep rolling on those giant balls and hope not to fall off? Thank you.
0: To make- and you just heard make freer in the first half of the afternoon session of the 100,000 poets for change event. Uh, up next in it here is Kingston poet laureate Jason Haru. Up next, Kingston poet laureate Jason Haru is the author of four poetry collections, Memoirs of an Alias, Emergency Hallelujah, Natural Capital, and Hard Work Cheering Up Sad Machines. His most recent books are the novel Amusement Park of Constant Sorrow, Mansfield Press, 2018, and the Book of Blessings, a poetry chapbook published by Puddles of Sky Press. He's currently, I already mentioned that, he's currently the... Be redundant, Bruce. He is currently Poet Laureate for the city of Kingston, Ontario. Let's bring up Kingston Poet Laureate, Jason O'Rourke.
3: Thank you, Bruce, and thank you, everyone, for being here today. The um, first poem, I'll start with a poem that touches on social justice, in a way. We're not your shoes anymore. We're not your shoes anymore. Understand, those days are gone. I'm not exactly sure what we are, but we don't walk, we don't run. Is that clear? Look, you'll never put another foot inside us. Sure, we still have laces, who doesn't? But you'll never nod us, never. We're gonna start wearing you from now on. Understand, things have changed. It's your turn to hang dangling from the overhead power lines. The next poem deals with inequality, about how sometimes people can do terrible things without recognizing it, just because the rules say that it's okay. The Watermelon. My wife walked into the kitchen and saw me wiping blood off the table. What happened, she asked. The watermelon started bleeding when I cut it into pieces, I said. Watermelons don't just start bleeding. You must have done something wrong, she said. I didn't do anything wrong. It just started screaming and bleeding as soon as I cut it. Maybe it wasn't a watermelon, she said. I found it in the watermelon section, I explained. Did it look like a watermelon? Not really, I said. It had eyes. It kept watching me. So then why did you cut it into pieces, she asked. Because it was in the watermelon section, I said. Keeping with the inequality theme, here's a poem called A Strange Time. My birds went away. I kept stones in cages, gave them names, painted them beautiful colors, and taught them to sleep at night. It was a strange time, but no one complained. When my birds came back, My stones refused to be stones again. I painted the birds gray, removed their wings, and threw them at the windows of abandoned buildings. I kicked them along the road just for fun. Just being in the world. Just being in the world is enough to make a corpse feel dirty because he no longer has a body to wash. The poor flowers cast secondhand shadows. The afternoon hasn't eaten anything in days. Something's wrong, so everything must be terribly okay. The rain keeps punching itself for no reason, and the board clocks strike each second that wanders into striking distance. The church bells pound the sky's door like a landlord demanding rent. The bruised bird songs sound like they were beaten out of the air by police. Just being in the world is enough to make someone walk around with his feet in his pockets. Today, the hungry afternoon bit my hand, and a part of me grew sick and died for the fun of it. And everything's okay, really. Everything's fine. So something must be extremely wonderfully wrong. War Zone. A three legged wind wobbled through the war zone. The clouds in the sky look scrawny and underfed. A young girl stumbled around with a pail, collecting gray milk from the statues. The trees no longer recognized their own leaves. Last night, a piece of string attacked us in its dreams. I'm going to move on and try to find something positive. Maybe going to do a love poem now. One of the themes of today is love as well. So I'll finish off with this poem. It's called a 20-year-old love poem. As stubborn as toffee, a joy hummingbirds can taste. That's how you are. Hurt how fields are hurt at the end of summer. The grass blades have an unreachable itch that can only be scratched by our footsteps. As stubborn as the suburbs, a joy that softens cinnamon leaves. That's how everything is. Sad-eyed raindrops glance at us as they fall. Your voice is a hospital where words recover from their injuries. And every day, on your way to work, the pavement hungers for the dark, fragrant bread of your shadow. Thank you. It's
0: Kingston Poet laureate Jason Heroud. Let's give him another hand. A couple of things I should mention is that uh, we're getting ready to go on break, and that's kind of a segue. That's not the thing, but that's the segue into what I was going to say. I want to thank uh, Jerry Dorit for bringing the beautiful vase of flowers to sit on the donations table, so please check out. It's uh, Loving Spoonful-ish here and the spire itself. There's uh, some material there that you can check out. There's also, uh, I'll go through who's coming up, and then, in fact, I'll just do it now. Coming, We're going to break for maybe about a half an hour, uh, give you a chance to, there's some goodies over there. there w- there's coffee now. There will be tea in about six minutes after it's steeped. And uh, there are a bunch of goodies, and I would like to also thank uh, the Spire for providing the coffee and tea and that big thing of cheese over there. So, yes. So you can thank uh, Donald to be in this evening, so you can thank him in person if you like. Uh, One other uh, other thing before I go into what's coming up next is – I'd like your feedback on how the without a mic thing is going. I've had a lot of complaints about, in past years, about the echo effect. It's also part of the reason the podium is here and not back there, because the closer you get this way, uh, the less echo effect there is. So even without a mic, uh, it's actually best right there, but it's kind of precarious sitting on a, on a slant. So. That's why, that's why we're trying it this way. In some ways, it's also more environmental. We're not using electricity. So for this event, uh, I like it for that reason as well. I know that I've kind of wandered around in the back of the room uh, in that hallway out there, and it probably has a better name than that, but I don't know what it is. Anyway, I've in various points, and I can hear everybody, uh, so I, I, I'm glad that I could hear everybody at least that far back. So, and uh, what I will mention is that there is also uh, an itinerary up on the uh, don- donations table as well. The one thing mentioned in it is one performer this afternoon coming up in the second half that will be moved to this evening just because he had a conflict this afternoon. So coming up really this afternoon are going to be Ann Graham in this order, and Natalie Sorensen, Natanya Levine, Judith Popiel, Raven Adamson, and Layla Chismore. So. Enjoy about a a half-a-minute break, just to kind of chill, go outside. It's a beautiful day, and uh, I'll see you back here in about a half-an-hour. And you just heard, uh, just ahead of my announcements, uh, Kingston Poet Laureate uh, Jason Haru, In the first half of the afternoon session of the 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston event, uh, again, held at Spire on September 21st. Tell you what, let's do this, and I will be right back.
11: Loving Spoonful is a community food organization in Kingston, Ontario. We work to create and promote food security in our city through many projects, including community gardens, farmers markets, grow a row, food reclamation, and community kitchens. Currently, Loving Spoonful is looking for volunteers to help deliver fresh, healthy food to shelters and meal programs. We are also seeking volunteers to participate in Kitchen Work Bees, where we preserve surplus produce to be used in meal programs. Please email info at lovingspoonful.org if you're interested in getting involved. For more information about Loving Spoonful, visit www.lovingspoonful.org.
8: Folk Everything is your passport to the
4: finest in folk music. Old, new, and everything in between. The wonderful, the wild, and the weird. won't
8: bother He's a busy man. He's got things to do. It's all here Saturdays from
4: 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. Folk everything with Hugh on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston.
7: The Kingston Community House for Self Reliance widely known as 99York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org email info at 99york.org or call 613-542-1136.
6: Chiarelli, here on CFRC 101.9, Monday nights at 7.
0: Finding a voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queens University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And uh, with the longer readings in this set... uh, uh, there just isn't room to air another one uh, this afternoon and still do what I need to do at the end of the hour. So I do, and especially it kind of worked out, I guess, since I really didn't have time to uh, uh, share any events in the first hour. So I would like to do that, but before, and usually this is what I do because I get into the events, I run out of time, and I don't allow enough time to say what I need. What else I need to say? So well, I do want to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, again, you have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. I hope you can tune in next week. I will be airing uh, next week um, the other half of uh, the 100,000 Poets for Change event. And uh, just adding up the minutes here, I believe we'll even get into uh start the start of the evening portion uh next week as well so uh, that's something you can look forward to uh, i do want to remind you as like i always do at the end of every hour that uh each hour of the show each week uh of this show will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after the show ends and we'll be saved our four years at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com and uh I do hope you can stay tuned uh, at the top of the hour uh, for uh, two hours of East Coast music uh, in a show called Saltwater Music. Uh, That's hosted by Rob Carnell. That's a two-hour show that begins at the top of the hour. And uh, one other thing, kind of an addition, I guess I want to wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving up here. So I hope uh, you all have friends and family and things to gather around and uh enjoy this uh, longer weekend. I do uh see where I what I've got here as far as calls for submissions. You know what? I think I'm just going to move into the events because there are so many of them and if there's room at the end uh I will, uh, most of these calls uh, at least have a little bit of time left on them. So I will mention it's a weekly, and uh, this gets mentioned every week because it's a weekly event. Uh, uh, the, the writing group meets, uh, it's called the Limestone Writers Writing Group. Uh, they meet every Wednesday evening, uh, September through April. They do meet essentially year-round, but from September through April, they meet at 7 p.m. in room 239 of the Stauffer Library. Uh, Next meeting will be coming up this Wednesday, October 16th. If you're interested, contact David at dpratt1939 at hotmail.com. There are a number of things, and I'd suggest there are four things that are happening at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library over the course of their weekly events for short term over the next uh, uh, few weeks. Uh, So i'm just going to tell you to check their website www.kfpl.ca and see what they have to offer it's just that i won't have time to go through all of those and then uh also have time for other events as well uh let's move into upcoming uh launches and readings uh Queen's University, this one will be happening, uh, most of these for the most part will be at novel idea. Uh, This one is happening this coming week. Uh, It says Queen's University, it's Miles Howe. Uh, Queen's University professor Miles Howe will read from and launch a nonfiction biography. Uh, It's called Black Cop. It was co-written by RCMP officer Calvin Lawrence. Coming up, um, novel idea bookstore, 156 Princess Street, in case you didn't know, that will be on Tuesday, October 15th from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, the following evening, Wednesday evening, same place. Let's see here, Andrea Thorpe will read from and launch her new pictorial book called Fields of Hope. It includes essays and farm in- images. Uh, that's again Wednesday, October 16th from 7 to 9 p.m. Coming up a week from today, it's the annual uh, Page Lecture in that series. The Queen's University English Department has announced that the 2019 Page Lecture will be delivered by Cree Métis poet uh, Marilyn Dumont. Uh, This year, the Page Lectures is in partnership with the Queen uh, Queen Stuffer Library, and Marilyn's uh, lecture will be held in uh, the... Alan G Green uh fireplace reading room inside Stoffer library and I see here it's mentioned that Stoffer is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year as well that is happening on uh as i mentioned a week from today so next friday uh october 18th at 2:30 Coming up the following day, it's going to be a busy week. That's why I wanted to spend a little more time here. Uh, Stan, uh, this is the seasonal series in uh, Tamworth. Uh, The bookshop in Tamworth will feature John Steffler and Stan Dragland. They will be reading uh, in, again, the seasonal series. uh, Stan from uh, his his, uh, collection called 41 Pages on Poetry, Language, and Wilderness. And John will read from uh, The Difficult, uh, which just uh, launched through Peddler, I believe. Uh, that's coming up Saturday, October 19th, 2 p.m., the bookshop in Tamworth. And they say it's at the foot of Peel and Bridge. And uh, have I got time to do Sunday? Uh, Sunday, very quickly, back to Novel Idea. Uh, it's going to be a book lunch and reading uh, featuring Julie Paul and Carolyn Smart. Uh, Julie Paul will read from uh, will launch and read from her new collection of short fiction called Meteorites Uh, Carolyn Smart uh, will read from her own new and selected work and with that uh, at least I got through the week Uh, there are other events and I will have time that are stretched out into the following week so I'll have plenty of time allow plenty of time next week to do that Again, I want to thank you uh, for tuning in today. Uh, We're going to go out of here. Uh, Again, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving weekend. I'm going to go out of here with a little Mazzy Star, and uh, there will be a couple of messages after that as well. Uh, This is uh, from Among My Swan, and uh, I believe the song is called uh, All Your Sisters. Here we go.
6: Stay